Hello and welcome to another edition of the China in Africa podcast. I'm Eric Olander, and as always, I'm joined by Kobus Van Staden of the University of Johannesburg Center for African Foreign Policy and Diplomacy. Good afternoon, Kobus. Good afternoon. Well, we're going to be talking today about uh, uh, Huawei, which has come up. You know, oh, I'd say you know every six months we do a Huawei story, Kobus, and uh, but this one in particular is absolutely infuriating. And uh, you know, my doctor hates it when I actually read these kinds of articles because I have borderline high blood pressure, and when I actually <laughs> read an article like the one that just came out in July, it just sends me over the edge, apoplectic. So we're going to kind of break down uh, this article t- in today in the show. It was written by a guy by the name of John Reed. I, I, I hesitate to call him a journalist based on what he wrote here. Uh, and he wrote an article called Africa's Big Brother Lives in Beijing. And the reason why we're talking about this is because it really just took off like wildfire. I mean, all across the web. And it seemed like, Cobus, it just fit into this narrative that that the inter- that the Internet really just loves. And, and this, this article was copied over and over and over again. And it was retweeted, you know, endlessly. And so, uh, so let me kind of just map it out. And in, in already, I've kind of told you where I stand on it, and then I'd like to get your your re- response to it. So, basically, the premise of this article is, and it's under the investigation tab at foreignpolicy.com. And it's important to note that foreign policy is part of the Washington Post company of uh, of brands. Now, Washington Post, the newspaper, was recently sold to the Amazon founder Jeff Bezos. Uh, this this particular brand was not sold to Jeff Bezos, but it is definitely part of the Washington Post, uh, the Washington Post company, that is. And I guess why I'm disappointed by what we saw in this article was the fact that you expect from a brand like the Washington Post company a higher standard of journalism. So here is the premise of this article, that because Huawei now is 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 really making huge inroads across Africa. So, Kobus, you and I have talked about how in Ethiopia they're installing 4G networks. In Nigeria they're installing 4G networks. They're putting up networks in even in places like South Africa. They're putting up wireless networks across the continent. Uh, they're now one of the largest mobile phone uh, manufacturers and, 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 and sellers. They're the third largest smartphone manufacturer in the world behind Apple and Samsung. So in Africa, their presence is absolutely huge. They do about $3 billion of business every year. It's an increasingly important part of their global operations. And the premise of this article is that because they are wiring up the continent, they will then now be able to control and have access to the networks to spy and launch cyber attacks on the United States. That is the, that is the premise. Um, before I get into my tirade, what, um, what was your thinking on this piece? Uh, this uh, this piece made me so tired. It, you know, it, it, there's some there must be some journalism theory for for the kind of the, the problem in this piece, which is uh, you know it's it's mostly made up of conjecture, um, and 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 saying that you know it's it's a bit like saying oh are aliens colonizing the moon? You know who can say maybe they are? You know like no. If, if you say they are, then you need to prove it, you know. Um, so so there's, there's a lot of like, oh, maybe they are building it back, back doors. No one is actually, but, but it doesn't provide any kind of, any kind of proof to That's saying right. that, you know, it, it, it's, it's changed. It's using the architecture of African networks to do, to, for, for surveillance or whatever. It's, it, you know, and, and in that sense, it follows the same kind of logic that the U.S. government itself has followed in, in its criticism of Huawei. And, um, and, and that's a problem. And that, this gets 
the heart of my criticism here, is that basically this is nothing short of a propaganda piece from the U.S. government. It just echoes U.S. government positions and U.S. government allegations, which for up until today have been unfounded. So let's take a look at, at the reporting that John Reed did. Uh, he quoted a guy by the name of Michael Hayden, and if you are not familiar with Michael Hayden, He's the former head of the National Security Agency, which, ironically, is the very same agency that Edward Snowden, who fled to Hong Kong and then off to Moscow, um, has revealed that it has been the one that has been doing the spying on other countries and people, not necessarily uh, the Chinese. But he came out recently and said... Uh, Michael Hayden, that in fact Huawei is uh, spying and, and using its access to various networks. The one thing that Michael Hayden did not do and did not do in this article uh, was provide any proof. We also then had Michael Chertoff, who was quoted, who's the former uh, Secretary of Homeland Security, who, by the way, is also a defense contractor in the United States selling its security services to the U.S. government. Uh, that was not revealed in this article. There was also a quote from Chris uh, Damchek, who's the uh, co-director of the Center for Cyber Conflict Studies at the U.S. Naval War College. And, and, and the quotes, again, from, from all of these people uh, echo the same and again, there's no other word for it than propaganda, the same allegations that Huawei uh, is a security threat. The problem is, is that there has been no hard evidence to prove this. Uh, Cobus, one of the biggest problems about Huawei is the misunderstanding that a lot of people have about its role in the Chinese government. Uh, Huawei was, uh, is not, in fact, a state-owned company. In fact, it's a company owned by a man by the name of Ren Zheng Fei. And Ren Zheng Fei is a guy who is very, very secretive. He doesn't give interviews. He doesn't talk. He's, and he did, in fact, have a relationship with the People's Liberation Army. It is not entirely clear what Huawei's relationship today is with the, P the PLA. Um, they are, in fact, a contractor. But that by itself shouldn't necessarily make it um, a boogeyman because, after all, Cisco is a contractor to the United States military. Alcatel is a contractor to the French military. Uh, networking companies contract out to defense agencies all over the world. So for me, when I saw uh, these quotes in the conjecture, Cobus, that you talked about, let me read you a quote. And this, this will kind of go to, to Cobus's main point. This is a quote from, from John Reed. What's potentially more disturbing about Huawei's involvement in African telecommunications is that it could provide the Chinese government with direct access to those networks. That's, to me, the laziest type of reporting ever. Because when I was a young journalist and, and I used to put the word could, I had a copy editor named Porter Anderson who always used to say, well, it could not too, right? And he would never, never let me use the word could. Because could is one of those conditional words that, that you know, could not. It's equally feasible that, that it couldn't happen either. So that's the, I think, the conjecture that you were referring to. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and, and, and also another big problem for me is that he doesn't make clear that the people that he is quoting and that he's, build, you know, kind of, as, as you said, that he's basically building the, the article around, have direct vested interests, not only economic interests, as you, as you mentioned, but they have direct vested interests in a certain kind of worldview. They have a, you're very directly, you know, kind of, um, they, they make their daily living out of a, a specific worldview, which is a kind of a cold world worldview, you know, kind of where, where, the, where they're trying to, to change China into an, an old-style Soviet Union. Um, and I think, you know, kind of the, uh, 
as one one things that we do is is to show that it's not that simple that you can't just slot China into that into that position because the world has changed and China is a very complicated entity. Um, so yeah, you know, kind of obviously, obviously there's a lot of issues around surveillance within China, um, and you know, China, the Chinese government is banning search terms left and right, and it's a very, very complicated situation. But at the same time, um, you know, not to talk about the implications of something like the U.S. government surveillance in in more detail with you know in in this context is insane. You know, it's the, that's that's the elephant in the room in this in, in this article. Well, yeah, and there's a well, there's a you know we'll pick another elephant in the room is that one of the things that that he connected dots on, which shouldn't have been connected in my view, is that the Chinese government has in fact been giving support to Ethiopia, Zimbabwe, and some other repressive governments uh, to help improve their uh, their control of telecommunications, mobile, uh, internet spying, internet filtering, and whatnot. And, and in this article, there is an implication that Huawei is somehow involved in that, which, again, we just do not know. And I think that, you know, making that connection between China and Huawei as a singular entity is, is again, it's just amateur, unprofessional journalism in my point of view. And it really reveals uh, that this, this particular journalist, uh, who, of course, I don't know, I've never met, i just going by his article here, uh, it just seems to be way out of his depth in covering this very, very complicated story. Uh, and so those, those was another point uh, is that extrapolating from Huawei to the broader suppression, that deserves investigation, that deserves analysis, but done competently. And that was one of the other big frustrations that I had. Exactly. It's, you know, kind of, it, it was such a pity for me because there are lots of questions to ask about Huawei. And I mean, you know what, what, what the, the most kind of potent example is? is the UK. Because, um, you know, at, at the moment, Huawei is under investigation in the UK for some kind of like cyber security issues, while at the same time, David Cameron has praised a UK company called TalkTalk Talk for, for, for banning pornography on its searches through technology that is controlled by Huawei. You know, so so you know, you you have a situation in 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 a key U.S. ally, you know, like the like the U.K., where where these issues are are coming up in very complicated ways, and you need to be much more nuanced in how you deal with it. Yeah, and and what what he didn't really set the context of Huawei, uh, I think, sufficiently was the fact that Huawei now is in fact uh, it just surpassed Ericsson uh, from Sweden as the world's largest telecommunications provider. So Huawei is number one, Ericsson's number two, and then uh, Lucent Alcatel is number three. Um, and what's interesting is the fact that it's not just the UK, but they're in dozens and dozens of countries. They are in fact you know a key part and key manufacturer in global telecommunications from you know cell phone networks to internet connectivity and whatnot. So putting it out in that context is, is very, very important because a lot of governments have also expressed concern, but they haven't found the evidence. And, and this is really an American line here, uh, and that was just reflected in this. One other kind of key point that I think is, is worth bringing up is, 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 again, the fact that, you know, this is, the, this is very much representative of some of the crappy style of journalism that comes out of both the U.S. and Europe when it comes to China and Africa and this fear-mongering that's put forward. And it's all speculation. It's not rooted in fact. Um, and let me give you just one more quote. And this comes from, again, uh, from Chris Damchek, who is 
uh, the co-director of the Center for Cyber Conflict Studies at the U.S. Naval War College. Uh, and, and here's a quote. In addition to giving Huawei and potentially the Chinese government, again, there's that link that we, again, we don't really know what the link is between those two entities, vital intelligence on African nations, Damchuk worries that access to Africa's telecommunications infrastructure could make it even easier for Chinese hackers to disguise their attacks by rerouting them through the continent. Basically, the continent could serve as a giant laundromat for Chinese cyber aggression. Uh, that could have been written by the White House press office, and that's what's really remarkable. Yeah, and it's also it's all like unintentionally revealing of it is that it still is it still characterizes Africa as a big nothing, as basically an, an empty space. Um, you know, so the only the only issue that where the only way in which Africa is, is important in this in this conversation is as a negative space through which China can move towards the U.S. So it was fascinating for me how there was not a single quote, not even a denial from all of these from from governments, African governments like Ethiopia. Ethiopia, Zimbabwe, that we all know have very big internet issues. I mean, Ethiopia is notorious for its for its surveillance issues. Um, but you know, kind of, it wasn't. He didn't even feel the need to even check with the with the embassies in the in Washington D.C. Um, you know, kind of about what, like, who's doing what, or even print their denials to say that they're not doing anything. You know, kind of, they're just not not in the conversation. And what he didn't do, so again, who are the people that he didn't talk to? One, he didn't talk to Africans themselves. Uh, he didn't talk to African scholars, you know, people at, for example, at Stellenbosch, you know, the Sven Grimms, who have been following this kinds of story. He didn't talk to someone like you. Uh, you know, we know a number of people who could have spoken competently on this. He didn't talk to David Wolf uh, out of Beijing, who's probably one of the, the, the most well-known scholars and, and, and kind of analysts on Huawei, who wrote a book actually on Huawei Huawei called Making the Connection. Uh, he was featured on the Seneca podcast talking about Huawei about six months ago, where he once again reaffirmed that there is no direct connection, no direct evidence linking Huawei to the type of cyber aggression that, uh, that, that this article kind of suggests. So there are a number of people just by email that John Reed could have reached out to that he didn't to make this article very interesting. Instead, what he did is he went through, you know, a, either, you know, a PR agency or he just went through his own basic Rolodex and, and going to Michael Hayden, Michael Chertoff, and, and, you know, someone at the Naval War College for, for Beltway journalism. Now, if you look at John Reed's background, um, I think it reveals the fact that this is the type of Beltway journalism that, that we've come to expect. You know, this is a guy who in 2007 worked at, uh, at a place called Inside Washington Publishers. Then he worked at Gannett Government Media. Then he was at Military.com. And now he's at ForeignPolicy.com. So it's not surprising that the worldview is very much an inside the Beltway and a not a very sophisticated uh, worldview when it comes to a story as complex as Huawei, China, and Africa. Yeah, absolutely. I'm saying there, there's a lot to investigate here, and I wish someone would, you know. Um, yeah, you know, that, that's all I can say. It's like, get on it, PhD candidates, you know. Like, yeah. this is, this is your, your dissertation right here. This is it. I mean, and so let's, let's kind of leave, leave, you know, John Reed's crappy reporting behind us and talk about the Huawei story. So uh, Huawei basically is, is, is wrapping – Huawei is competing largely with ZTE, which is uh, another competitor, uh, a Chinese competitor. And what, one of the things that they're doing 
doing is, you know, bringing connectivity and networking to Africa. Okay, this, that's the wonderful, happy, feel-go-lucky story to it. You're, you're seeing people connect on 3G, you know, dongles to, to Wi-Fi networks. You're seeing people have cell phones and smartphones. Uh, those are all wonderful things that are happening. The question is, uh, is what is actually Huawei's relationship with the Chinese government, the Chinese embassies, and the Chinese military? Uh, and do you think uh, – let's take the speculation that we saw in the Reid article. Do you think that China uh, has a vested interest in, say, you know, spying on Zimbabwe or spying on, on, on Ethiopia, kind of taking the, the theory here uh, to its maximum potential, what is the interest of the Chinese to use these type of networks to, 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 to profit from? Yeah, I mean, here we, we go into conjecture as, as well. You know, kind of, I mean, I, I can well imagine that in, in the case, you know, China has lots of very big business interests um, and very, very important loans to Africa. And obviously, insider information would be very useful, possibly. Um, the other, I think, but, you know, what, what I think what would make me more worried is is because Huawei is a contractor, um, you know, kind of, it, it, it is bound by what its clients want. And what is, and, and, and a bunch of his clients are African governments with with real interest in 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 controlling you know local politics. Um, so you know you know that that's one of the, that's one of the reasons why I've in, this, in the past really had lots of very big problems with the idea that that pornography needs to be filtered on on the internet because um, in South Africa that came up as well um, and you know kind of all of these these, these uh, freedom of speech activists in South Africa immediately pointed out that. You know that even in in a democratic country like South Africa, the the ruling party has very direct interests, economic interests, and other interests, to make sure to to monitor that how it's being discussed in 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 the local society. So that is more worrying for me in terms of that it's simply you know kind of for for whatever pretext that would be the job that that Huawei is bidding for, um, you know and and that would just end up having a chilling effect on all kinds of, of development and speech in Africa. I think that, you know, kind of there's this, there are precedents for that in, yeah, I, I, in, in Africa, I think. I'm going to follow the line from David Wolf again, who wrote a book on, on Huawei. And, and one of the points that he brought up uh, in, his, in a Seneca podcast with Kaiser Guo was the fact that, you know, if Huawei was ever found out to be doing this, you know, kind of living up to these kind of awful expectations, uh, its business would be destroyed instantly. Because, again, the telecommunications equipment business is one of the most competitive in the world. The pricing between Alcatel, between uh, Ericsson and, uh, and Huawei is, is extraordinarily intense. And so if word did get out that, that China, the Chinese government or the PLA was using these networks as a way to kind of infiltrate, uh, you know, their business would collapse very, very quickly in my view. So the long-term interest of the Chinese government is not necessarily to, to use uh, Huawei as a Trojan horse. So I'm very, very skeptical because I just don't see the interest lining up there. More importantly, I think it really shows an, uh, a misunderstanding of how so much cyber hacking is done. If you look at the vast majority of cyber attacks, they occur by phishing emails, very sophisticated mm. phishing emails. You actually don't need, uh, you know, networks to, uh, to penetrate, uh, you know, a rival company or country or organization's network. It's really just, hey, Joe, did you see this? Link. Um, and, and so I think he overstates kind of the, the, the fear. And again, this is fear mongering by the United States. 
And the irony of all ironies is that, you know, the country that more and more people should be afraid of is, in fact, the United States, which we now have evidence that's come out, which we don't have with the Chinese, that, that they have been spying on people all over the world, intercepting communications, uh, communications unrelated to terrorism. So that wasn't put in the context either. And I think that's, that there's so much missing from this article, and I agree with you. It's a field of, of research that needs to be looked into. And the Chinese participation in the suppression of freedom of speech in parts of Africa needs to be explored. Sunlight needs to be put on this. And unfortunately, when we see articles like this replacing what could be good journalism or good scholarship, it just sets us back, in my view. Yeah, and you know, kind of, I would actually recommend weirdly that one of the best investigations in, in the U.S. situation about this was uh, was done by the Washington Post a few years ago um, about the, the growth of this kind of covert you know, kind of like massive massive covert machinery within the US. It was the, I can't remember the journalist who did it, but it was really good. Um, and, uh, you know, so, yeah, it's, it's a bit of a pity. You know, I, I found the whole, the whole article a bit depressing. Yeah, and, and again, the reason why we're talking about it is in the, the, that we sound so depressed is because it, it just took off all over the African media and the African internet. Uh, and, and that's a shame because that's unfortunately now what people think when in fact they, they should cast a skeptical eye on Huawei, but not necessarily for those reasons. Uh, and also they should cast a skeptical eye on, on U.S. companies, on Cisco, on all of these companies. Uh, and, and also what is the Chinese government's role and not conflating Huawei with the Chinese government and what their role is in countries like Zimbabwe, Ethiopia, and Rwanda for, for the suppression of information. So we saw this just in the run-up to the election. There were allegations that the Chinese uh, were working with the Mugabe government to, to, to filter uh, calls and, and emails and internet traffic. That's what needs to be looked at and not this wild, stupid, baseless expect uh, speculation. So that was our rant. This was a ranting podcast, Cobus. Uh, you know, we don't do this very often, but it was really, I think it rubbed both of us the wrong way. So, uh, <laughs> but we'd like to hear what you think. We, we did post this, uh, this article on, uh, on our Facebook page. It didn't get the, the similar reaction that we have today. I, I don't think it generates the type of passion that, that you and I I have for this subject, but we'd love to hear from you. Facebook.com slash China Africa Project uh, and, and tell us what you think of, uh, you know, of, of the reporting of John Reed's article. Do you agree? Do you disagree? Do you think that maybe we're being too sensitive? Uh, maybe we're out of line. Maybe you know we're complete idiots and we're not reading the story. We're totally open to your feedback, so please do share it with us. And, and Cobus, if people all want to communicate with you directly, what's the best way that they can reach you? Um, they can get me through our Facebook page where I, I try and update every day. And also on Twitter, I'm at Stadenesque. That's S-T-A-D-E-N-E-S-Q-U-E. And you can find me on Twitter at E-O-Lander. That's E-O-L-A-N-D-E-R. I'm also on our Facebook page. Both Cobus and I, we kind of put our names in brackets so you know who you're talking to when we're, when we're having discussions or we're posting. Uh, we, again, we post every day on our Facebook page. There's 100,000 followers now on the page uh, having a fantastic discussion on China-Africa issues. And of course, if you'd like to follow the podcast, we're here every week. Uh, you can subscribe on iTunes. That's by far the best way. Uh, or you can follow us on SoundCloud, on Stitcher, on the BlackBerry Mobile Network in South Africa. Uh, we're, we're in so many different places. We're now podcasting two to three times a week. Uh, so, uh, so you can definitely uh, follow us on any number of, uh, of locations online. And of course, you can listen directly on the Facebook page itself. So that'll do it for this edition.
information. We'll be back again next week with another episode of the China in Africa podcast. Thank you so much for listening.